We are now over a month past the solstice, and I can assure you there is more light in our day, and there will be an end to the winter. But for now, there certainly is a lot of cold, and it is a shame that there's no way to harvest it all somehow. I'm Sean Tubbs, and I spend my time indoors with the curtains drawn, pouring through meetings and agendas to bring you Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast that wants you to keep track of the sky. On today's show, legislation to allow Charlottesville to hold a referendum on a 1% sales tax increase for education has passed the Senate. Charlottesville needs more time to respond to a lawsuit from a former city manager. Albemarle County begins the redistricting process and may accelerate it due to a pending federal lawsuit that could force House of Delegates races this November. And Charlottesville's public housing body is briefed on back rent owed by a third of tenants, and the city wants proposals for three-quarters of a million dollars in affordable housing money. In today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out, with winter weather here, now is the time to think about keeping your family warm through the cold Virginia months. Make sure you are getting the most out of your home with help from your local energy nonprofit, LEAP. LEAP wants you and yours to keep comfortable all year round and offers free home weatherization to income and age-qualifying residents. If you're age 60 or older, or have an annual household income of less than $74,950, you may qualify for a free energy assessment and home energy improvements, such as insulation and air sealing. Sign up today to lower your energy bills, increase comfort, and reduce energy waste at home. As Virginia policy on COVID mitigation strategies continues to change with a new governor, the numbers continue to come in. Today, the Virginia Department of Health reports another 10,699 new cases, and the seven-day percent positivity is at 29.5%. While the trend this week is downward, these numbers are still higher than at most points during the pandemic. In the Blue Ridge Health District, there are another 350 new cases reported today, and the seven-day average for new positive tests is at 25.1%. There have been four new fatalities reported since Friday in the district. Augusta Health and the University of Virginia Health System are pleading with members of the community to get a COVID vaccination and a booster to reduce strain on the medical infrastructure. Here's a joint press release from both entities. After two years and four surges, COVID-19 has tragically claimed the lives and health of too many in our communities. Our care teams are exhausted, both physically and mentally. The release points out that the vast majority of hospitalized patients are unvaccinated and urges people to get the booster. It also asks that people continue to wear a mask in public, but to upgrade to one that is medical grade as opposed to a cloth mask. More on that in tomorrow's community engagement. The city of Charlottesville has asked for more time to respond to a federal lawsuit from former city manager Teron Richardson. Richardson filed a civil rights suit in November in the Western District of Virginia against council and four individuals, claiming he was discriminated against after members of council broke a non-disparagement clause. He was also not given permission to post an op-ed in the Daily Progress. Charlottesville asked for an extension to respond to the argument, and Judge Norman K. Moon has given them until February 16th. 
Three new people have been added to the board of directors for the Charlottesville Regional Chamber of Commerce. Eric Mayberry is the president of the Daily Progress, as well as director of sales and local marketing. Jonathan Chasen is a private wealth financial advisor with Wells Fargo Advisors. And Rebecca Ivins is a client solutions manager for Horrigan, a construction company that has worked on several projects in Charlottesville, including the Dairy Central Building, the Code Building, and the Apex Building. Here's a snapshot of where the General Assembly was at the close of business yesterday. As of this morning, the Senate had passed 37 bills and the House of Delegates has passed three and the House bills all deal with insurance. So let's focus today on the 40-member chamber, where Senator Chap Peterson's bill to permit hunting on Sunday passed the full Senate on a 29-11 to 11 vote. Both Charlottesville and Isle of Wight County are one step closer to being able to hold a referendum on a 1% sales tax increase to support education. SB 37 for Isle of Wight County passed on a 27-12 to 12 vote. SB 298 for Charlottesville passed on a 28-12 to 12 vote. Another bill that would allow all localities in Virginia to hold such a referendum without permission from the General Assembly also passed on a 28-12 to 12 vote. That's SB 472. Here are some other bills that have passed the Senate. Legislation to allow employers to offer rewards to people who get the COVID-19 vaccine through their health insurance wellness program passed on a 19-17 to 17 vote. A bill to direct the Department of Health to create a prescription drug awareness program in conjunction with the Board of Pharmacy passed unanimously. A localities planning commission would have up to 100 days to make a recommendation on a comprehensive plan amendment under a bill that passed the Senate on a 26 to 14 vote. Candidates for constitutional officers for localities would be required to identify their party registration if the House agrees to SB 39 and Governor Glenn Youngkin signs it. The Senate voted 25 to 15. The Senate unanimously approved a bill to float $101 million in bonds for projects at Virginia Tech and James Madison University. Juvenile and domestic courts could waive the requirement for the ceremonial occasion when a minor gets a driver's license. That's if the House agrees to SB 139. The Senate passed it unanimously. Candidates for public office would have to file campaign finance reports electronically under SB 222, which passed the Senate unanimously. Another bill to expand required disclosures for who pays for campaign advertisements also passed the Senate on a 23-15 to 15 vote. Finally, for the Senate, a bill to allow Arlington County to appoint an independent police auditor passed on a 21-19 to 19 vote. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for a second Patreon-fueled shout-out. Algorithms know how to put songs and artists together based on genre or beats per minute. But only people can make connections that engage the mind and warm the heart. The music on WTJU 91.1 FM is chosen by dozens and dozens of volunteer hosts, music lovers like you, who live right here in the Charlottesville area. Listener donations keep WTJU alive and thriving. In this era of algorithm-driven everything, go against the grain. Support Freeform Community Radio on WTJU and get ready for the Folk Marathon beginning on February 7th. Consider a donation at wtju.net slash donate.
three more segments for this January 25th installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. At last night's meeting of the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority, one commissioner noted that there is a great deal of unpaid rent on the agency's books. Here is the CRHA's executive director, John Sales, to confirm. We have roughly a third of our public housing residents not paying their rent. In all, the CRHA is owed about $100,000 in back rent, but Sales said that's not the only financial hit public housing takes as a result because a federal match cannot be made. So we're not receiving the rental subsidy on it, uh, which negatively impacts the overall financial standing of the housing authority. The CRHA has been redirecting other funds toward covering the shortfall with grant funding that covered April, May, and half of June from 2021. Sales said continuing lack of rent payment continues to trouble the federal government. HUD is calling it out at every meeting. It's um, asked about, like, what are we doing to address it? The CRHA's fiscal year ends on March 31st. Sales said the agency is hiring an eviction prevention coordinator and housing stabilization position to work with families. Um, there's a policy now where the housing authority has to work with the families before moving forward with any eviction proceedings to at least get them to attempt to get the rent relief program. Sales said eviction is a last resort. The average rental payment is $247 a month, and the monthly operating expense to run CRHA is currently $265,927. HUD considers CRHA to be a troubled agency, and there will be an audit on March 16th. Also at the meeting, former Charlottesville Mayor Nakaya Walker was officially appointed to serve on the CRHA's Redevelopment Committee in an at-large capacity. Since 2007, Charlottesville has had an affordable housing fund to help create and preserve affordable housing units. Today, they've begun the process of soliciting proposals for how to use $750,000 from the current fiscal year's capital budget. The notice for funding availability refers to the affordable housing plan adopted by council last March. Here is a section from what's called the NOFA. This plan recommends that the city make a strong and recurring financial commitment to address housing needs in Charlottesville. In order to increase the number of subsidized affordable homes by 1,100, preserve existing 600 subsidized affordable homes, and stabilize 1,800 to 2,000 owner and renter households facing housing instability. The application comes at a time when the firm HRNA continues to work on an audit of how the housing fund has been used. They gave a preliminary report to council on December 20th that states the city has not tracked how the $38 million in local funds have been used to date. The current capital improvement program budget for this year includes $1.5 million for CRHA redevelopment, $900,000 for the Supplemental Rental Assistance Program, and over $3 million for the redevelopment of Friendship Court. The budget actually shows a line item of $925,000 for the housing fund for this year. Questions are out, but the answers on that will come in a future edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Finally today, the redistricting process in Albemarle County got underway last night with an information session on how it will all work out. Guidelines require magisterial districts to be contained within Virginia's legislative and congressional lines. 
Under the new maps approved in late December by the Virginia Supreme Court, Albemarle falls entirely within the new 11th Senate district. Here's Anthony Bissett, the senior assistant county attorney. Albemarle County falls into two different Virginia House of Delegates districts, the 54th, uh, which is basically the urban ring around the city of Charlottesville, and then the 55th, which is the majority of the county. There is a slight glitch when it comes to the new House of Representatives maps. Almost all of Albemarle County is in the 5th district, but there is a tiny sliver up here that is in the 7th district. Since 2010, Albemarle's population grew by 13,385 people, according to the census. But the growth isn't even. Rio and Whitehall grew a great deal, whereas, on the other hand, for example, Scottsville did not grow at the same pace. That means the Rio district and Whitehall districts will need to be reduced in size, and others will need to be expanded. In December, supervisors approved preliminary guidelines that would keep their number at six. Long story short on that is that that timeline would see the process compressed further uh, to begin on February 2nd at that meeting and end on March 23rd. Because of a federal lawsuit that may force an election for the House of Delegates this year, staff is now recommending an accelerated schedule in order to prepare for potential primaries in June. The, the determination of whether to have six supervisors, five, four, seven, eight, et cetera, um, is a local decision that the Board of Supervisors gets to make. Here's some information on that lawsuit. Attorney Paul Goldman has filed suit against the State Board of Elections, arguing that the current districts for the House of Delegates are unconstitutional because they are out of date. Goldman filed a brief on January 18th, and attorneys for the Board of Elections have until tomorrow to file additional materials. Public comment on redistricting will be taken at the board's February 2nd meeting. The maps that have been developed so far were not shown to the public at the information session. Registrar Jake Washburn said three maps are being proposed. We are planning to uh, send those to the Board of Supervisors so that they can be placed on the, the Board of Supervisors agenda for the February 2nd uh, Board of Supervisors meeting. If you'd like to submit written comments, there is an address and an email address in the written version of this newsletter, podcast, whatever. And that is the end of this newsletter, podcast, whatever, for January 25th, 2022. I almost said 2021, but I'd go back and relive that year again, would you? Anyway, you won't have to do that because time travel only exists as the way we get through each day. And of course, I like to track my time producing these shows. And of course, there are over, there are hundreds of you now who are supporting this financially. Of course, a couple dozen more would be fantastic fantastic because I do hope to continue to do this as often as I can. But of course, at some point, I'd like to pay somebody to help. So building the business would be a great way to ensure more things here on Charlottesville Community Engagement. There will be another episode to tomorrow, but until then, why don't you go to infoseville.com and click on the support the info button to learn how you can help support the program. The best thing you can do though is to send it on to other people because this content is free. 
Uh, it is subsidized by people who look to pay for it. But of course, the vast majority of it is intended for anybody with ears and eyes. On uh, one day, maybe I'll convert it to some other formats too. I am Sean Tubbs, and I will be back tomorrow with another installment. Thank you so much for listening, and stay safe, stay warm, and stay informed. Thanks for listening. <laughs>